To be mature, the quality or state of being fully developed. Flip the screen, please. When I talk about maturity being fully developed, I'm not talking about a certain age. I've met 13-year-olds who are more mature than 45-year-olds. I've met 25-year-olds who sometimes are more mature than a 50-year-old. I've met 42-year-olds that remind me of teenagers. And I met some teenagers who sometimes act like eight-year-olds. So when we talk about age, I'm not necessarily describing a person who's mature or immature. Would you agree with me? I think you would. So I'd like to share with you some lessons from my childhood about maturity, those who are being fully developed, and not so much about immaturity, but lessons from my childhood about maturity. We flip the screen again. See, I learned a lot from World War II and Korean veterans. I'm of the day and age where when I was a young boy, they were in their 40s and 50s. And also becoming a pastor as I matured and grew through the years, I had the opportunity and privilege to do the funeral of many of them. Now, I want to go back to the days when I was in Boy Scouts. My Boy Scout leaders were all World War II or Korean War veterans. And so they ran our troop like that. We were sort of ran like a little military troop. Well, of course, we followed all the Boy Scout guidelines. But the biggest thing was we camped 12 months out of the year outdoors. So in Northeast Ohio, if it was five below, if it was 10 degrees, 30 degrees, 60 degrees, or 80 degrees, we camped where? Outdoors, and you cooked over the fire. If everything froze overnight, you had to figure out how to, how to get a fire going and thaw out the food and thaw out the water, and you made your own meals and you cleaned up after yourself. If you're camping when it's five degrees below zero, you learn the next time if you got cold, you're going to dress a little bit warmer. We were given, we given army-issue pup tents. You had to snap them both together. You had a buddy, and you slept together on the snow. You learned how to dig out the snow, and we kept warm. How I was blessed from those World War II or Korean War veterans. Not once would our Boy Scout troop ever eat in the dining hall or sleep in warm cabins. That was for sissies, and we didn't do it. No offense to anyone else. That was a lesson I learned. And no offense, you learned how to grow up quickly. Now, the other lesson from World War II and Korean War veterans is this. I can easily count the fingers on both my hands the number of times I've heard this from a World War II or a Korean day and age veteran. Pastor, yeah, I lied. Okay. I didn't know if I should tell you. Well, please do so. During World War II, I enlisted in the Navy when I was 16 because all my other buddies were. Pastor, I wasn't honest with the government. Okay. Well, I signed up for the Army when I was 17 in 1943 because all my other friends were. Pastor, I lied. I enlisted in the Marine Corps when I was 17 and, 17 and a half years old because my, all my other brothers were in uh, the armed forces during World War II. And friends in Christ, this wasn't a day and age where you signed up for the Army and you got sent someplace where there was peace. This is back in the day and age when you finished your boot camp after 10 weeks, chances are you're going to the front lines. Chances are you get, you're going to be put in a place where a German bullet would zip by you or Japanese planes would be attacking you. I've learned those lessons from their dedication. Pastor, I lied. I enlisted in the Army when I was 16 years old. I felt bad just being at home and not serving my nation. A lesson in maturity. Can we flip the screen again? Now, with all love to everyone, I'd like to talk about our modern day. Flip the screen again. In our modern day, not all parents, but there's a lot of parents who are helicopters and snowplow parenting. Do you familiar with what I'm talking about? 
a helicopter, boom, 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 boom. I hang over my children to make sure everything's okay, okay? I think I told you in a previous service that even parents are now calling up their boot camp instructors in the Marine Corps and saying, are you picking on Johnny? Johnny said to him, he's having a hard time. I mean, I'd be embarrassed if that happened, okay? Snowplow parents, you know what a snowplow does? It plows things out of the way. Snowplow parents make sure that my children doesn't have to have anything bad happen to them. So if they forget their homework and they're going to get a detention, I'll leave work at my own risk and I'll make sure that Johnny gets his homework so the teacher doesn't get upset with him. If someone's picking on Johnny, I'm going to come and I'm going to interfere with that process to make sure it doesn't happen, rather than sometimes allowing our children uh, to learn things sometimes difficultly on our own. It's called helicopter and snowplow parenting. Of course, we love our children, but there comes a day and age where we need to allow our children to mature and grow up and to take responsibility. And today, flip again, and today, even on some American college, I think the word is camp by, for young men who may be 18, 19 years old, and somebody hurts their feelings, there's now safe spaces on college campuses where young men can go to and coloring books are provided, and stuffed animals provided because their feelings were hurt and they need to feel better. Now, if I go back to the World War II generation, young men who were 18 and 19 were in boats that were rectangular and storming the beaches at Normandy and Iwo Jima. How things have changed. You flip again. So I want to ask you, you have to share, what's the best way to mature a person? How do you help a person become mature? What I'm talking about is fully developed, able to function successfully in society. And you don't have to share it with me. Are you thinking about that? Or even if you're a younger person, what's the best way that you would like to mature? Well, some of us would be saying, well, we have to give them responsibilities and freedoms and let them explore and give them tools they need to succeed. And when they fail, we're going to correct them and we're going to love them and we're going to forgive them. And we're not going to shelter them. We're going to keep them from great harm. At the same time, we're going to let them go out sometimes and make some bad decisions and receive the fruits of that. Are we all on the same page? Okay. Y'all listening? Yeah. Okay, good. I see some heads shaking. Thanks. No one's sleeping. That's good. Okay. It's the best way to mature a person. We would say give young people opportunities. Um, give them confidence. Let them grow. If they make a mistake, help them learn from it. Allow them to allow them to do according to their abilities, that they might mature and become greater people uh, in the years ahead. Flip again. Now, I'm going to ask us to go back about two years in our church's history. And in February 2020, Built on the Rock uh, came to us uh, from uh, the Ministry of uh, Ambassadors for Reconciliation. And these are their findings. Let's flip again. And it deals with maturity. We flip the screen. And it said, talked about the necessity of maturity and growth, and flip again. It said, the fastest growing churches, at least in our Missouri Synod, are churches that have the largest adult Bible study attendance. That is the number one thing that their, all their statistical analysis and all their research showed. That the fastest growing churches in our church body are the churches that have the largest number of adults in Bible study. They're maturing. And flip the screen again. They also found out that churches who are in conflict have less than 20%, not of all their adults, but worshiping adults in Bible class attendance. And the reason why is they found out that the adult membership is rather immature in their faith. Now, we know about this from real life, that when you deal with immature people, there's going to be a lot of what? Conflict. They don't know how to properly handle situations. They don't know how to get through difficulty. Just like children and youth who are immature, they're going to have a really hard time with life. 
With all love to everybody, that's why it's really not good to baby and snowplow and helicopter people because it makes life convenient for them when they're 15, 16, and 17, but when they get to be 28 and 32 and 34, guess what? Sometimes life doesn't go that well for that person because the real world does not use snowplows or helicopter parenting techniques. The same thing for a Christian church. Less than 20% of adults not in Bible class or churches tend to have difficulties. Flip again. Churches able to deal with godly conflict have more than 40% of worshiping adults in Bible class attendance. Now, if you're listening carefully, you might ask, well, what is the percentage of St. John's adults in Bible class worshiping? I'm glad to say that sometimes it would be 45 to 50%. So that's a blessing. But you understand the lesson of maturity. Flip again. So the Great Commission is this. Therefore, go and make what? Make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the Great Commission of our Lord. What's the church's mission? Go and make what? Why does our church exist? Go and make what? Why does our school exist? Go and make what? That is the Great Commission of our Lord. All authority in heaven and earth before I ascend into heaven, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your mission. This is your target, right? This is what you're to be about. So a disciple is nothing more than a what? A mature Christian. They're maturing. They're growing. And flip the screen again. And so we come to Mary. Does anyone know how old Mary was when she bore Jesus and when she gave birth to Jesus? Anyone take a guess? Come on, tell me. How old? 14. 15. Not 22, not 24, not 27. And I know, I know our, our culture has changed. Because, by the way, most people didn't live until they were 40 in the day and age of Mary. In the 1890s in America, the average lifespan was 38 years. Most of us wouldn't be here if that was the case today. Today it's, what, 76? So women, and Mary was a young woman. Now, in America, we have teenagers, there was no such thing as a teenager in Jesus' day. You either were a child or you were what? An adult. 13, 14, we all understand what happens to human anatomy at that age. Chances are I get betrothed and I'll have a child. That's how old Mary was. Once again, she was betrothed. It's like she was married. And she was in a very difficult position because Joseph was not the what? Is there adultery? What's going on, Mary? No, what's... Inside of me is from the Lord. This isn't adultery at all. Very difficult position. But yet in her maturity, she said this. We flip the screen again. Read that verse with me. Behold my soul, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be accomplished to me according to your word. So even as a 14 and 15-year-old young woman, she was mature. She said, Lord, use me. Do what you need. If the Son of God is to be born through me, then let that be your will. Very mature. Flip again. And so we're going to talk about Jesus as a boy. By the way, I don't want to embarrass some of you. Anybody t- exactly 12 years old out here? Any 12-year-olds? Okay, maybe next service we'll have a 12-year-old. Any 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds? Okay, I know you don't want to raise your hand. I understand that. Okay. Jesus was 12. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Scripture says very little about Jesus' childhood, but here's Jesus, a picture of Jesus, or what we might think he'd look like, or someone representing him when he's how old? Twelve. Was he a seventh grader, sixth grader? Flip the screen. Okay, and flip it again. 
And Jesus went to the temple. How old is he? Twelve. Now, he wasn't running down the hallways. He wasn't in the backyard in a swing set. He wasn't playing video games. He wasn't hanging out with his buddies. But this is Heinrich Hoffman's picture, Jesus among the doctors. Soon the temple were many learned men, doctors. I mean, many years of education. They were were multilingual. They were brilliant scholars of the Old Testament. And there you see Jesus. And I want you to look at the faces of the doctors there. Those are Sadducees and, and, and Pharisees. Some of them might be lawyers. There's experts on the law. And Jesus is in there scraping it with them. Jesus is playing at their level. Now, they didn't ask him questions. Okay, Jesus, tell me the books of the Old Testament. Jesus, do you know the Ten Commandments? Have you memorized that? Because that's what we ask a 12, 13, 14-year-old today. Jesus, do you know Matthew 28, 19, and 20? Of course, it wasn't spoken yet. It would be that sort of thing. But instead, I think they're talking about this. Jesus might say, how do you teachers of the law expect the Messiah to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies under Roman rule? A teacher might have asked Jesus this. Jesus, how do you see Isaiah's prediction about the fulfillment of the Messiah in the Messianic age and in the end times? And Jesus, how do you see the law being properly taught and its place among God's people under Roman rule? That's probably what they're talking about. Does anyone want to take a shot at those and answer those for me? Anyone? I'm not asking you what the Ten Commandments are. I'm not asking you the books of the Old Testament. How is Isaiah's fulfillment, prophecies fulfilled in the Messianic age and the Ascological age? And that's what Jesus is doing. And Jesus is there scraping. He's in the game with them. He's talking with them. There's debates. There's discussions. Do you see a look in their face and flip the screen again? Well, Jesus is God, even as a 12-year-old, and yet he's human. So he's growing and maturing and flip the screen again. And he's in a state of humiliation. He's not using all his godly power. And he's in a state of exaltation. So he's, he's humiliated. I'm not using all my God power. At the same time, I'm God. And he's there, he's maturing, and he's growing. Flip the screen again. And so Jesus learns and teaches. Can you all read the next verse with me? And everyone who heard him was amazed at his answers and his understanding. I heard this about 15 years ago. It's worth, it was worth me to remember. It's worth me sharing with you. So a young person comes home from school, and, and, the, and mom, mom asked the young person, said, how did you do in school today? Did you get an A? He said, I did okay. And the, and, the, and the mother said, I'm not concerned with your grades. I want to know the questions you asked your teachers. I don't want to know if you answered their questions. I want to know if you asked your teachers any questions that would push you to learn and grow, or maybe even have the teacher learn and grow. What questions did you ask? I see Jesus in the temple asking questions, reflecting now, now, Jesus' parents are very concerned. We all know how it happens. The whole group leaves the temple and Jesus is behind. And some people are saying, how, how, could, how could Mary and Joseph actually leave the temple without having Jesus with them? What's going on? They're just bad parents? Well, no. They're, they're traveling with their clan. He's probably with lots of cousins and aunts and uncles and all sorts of relatives, maybe 50 or 60. And so Jesus is hanging out with his cousins and doing all sorts of things. They don't notice that he's missing. And finally, they notice he's missing. And so they have to go back. And the question is, what do they find Jesus doing? And Jesus says, why have you been searching for me? Don't you know I was playing video games with my friends? Don't you know I was sneaking a donut? Okay, they had donuts in between services. Don't you know that's where I was? I was having a cream-filled donut. Didn't you know? Uh, don't you know I was playing, I was, I was watching a ball game and eating pizza bites with my friends? 
No, we skip it. Don't you know I had to beware? My Father's house. My hope and prayer for all of us, when we come to our Father's house, it's a chance to learn and grow and interact and be pushed and mature. And he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was what? He kept the fourth commandment. Honor your father and what? Mother. He matured and he grew. Flip again. I see this as a framework for our church, for our church and school. And it says this in Luke 2.52. This might be a verse worth memorizing. Can you read it with me? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There's four ways that Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom, which is mentally, and stature, which is physically, and in favor with God, which is spiritually, in favor with man, which is socially. So we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about that. I'm saying this out of love. I can't tell you how many young people I met who don't know how to look me in the eye. And I don't have stern eyes, you know, I don't have, you know, hair pastor eyes. How to interact with an adult. How do kids learn social skills? They have to be taught. No offense, Nickelodeon and SpongeBob SquarePants aren't going to teach our children about social interactions. Who's going to have to do that? We will. How do you interact with adults? Just say hi, shake their hand. How are you doing? Socially, how to interact with, with students and how to interact with their peers and adults. Then it said Jesus grew mentally. Uh, he, he, went to, he was learning. He, he, he was figuring things out. He, 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 he was able to uh, do mental problems in his head. He was able to understand the world. And then he grew physically. And most importantly, he grew spiritually. He understood the word of God and, and what that meant. Now, friends in Christ, if we have that out of balance, it's not going to be good for, for our young people or even for us. All four need to be there. If, if I spend nothing but reading books 24 hours a day, that's not good. Because children also need physical activity, right? And if I can spend 20 hours in a pool because I'm in a swim team, but I can't come to church for an hour or come to catechism for an hour and a half, there's something wrong. And by the way, I think coming to church is wonderful, but if I spend all the time in church, there's no time for me to be on a ball team and help influence those people. There's no time for me to do physical activities. There's no time for me to interact with people, and maybe even people are non-Christian. And if I spend all my time socially on what? Facebook and texting my friends, and I don't have time for church or time for physical activity, it's not good. Do you see that framework up there? That needs to be a framework for, our, for all of our education. Mental, physical, spiritual, and what? Social. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. That needs to take place. That's a blessing. That's a way to mature. Flip the screen again. And so you and I, in maturity, walk around the blessing of the cross. For the message of the cross is foolish to those, should be those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God, that we might mature and grow. We might follow that example of Jesus, physical, mental, spiritual, and social, as he matures us, that we might be all that God intended us to be. And when we fail, there's the cross, and we live under the blessing of the cross, maturing in Christ. So with this for a closing thought, you all read it with me? Christ, be my teacher, in age as in view, drifting or doubting, for he is the truth. Grant me to trust him, though shifting is sand. Doubt cannot daunt me, in Jesus I stand. And all God's people say...